I speak to you in the name of one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. When I was a kid, we used to sit around the TV every evening and watch what it, our favorite shows. And people still do that, but we didn't have DVRs, so you actually had to sit down when a show started in order to watch the show you wanted to watch. And having looked back on many of those shows which are now available on Netflix, I can tell you that the 80s was a decade of some pretty terrible television. But there were a few good ones that stood out. And one of my favorite shows from the 80s was a show called MacGyver. I don't know if any of y'all remember MacGyver, but MacGyver was typical of many hero kind of shows. A guy who would fight every week against some sort of evil, nefarious person who had some plot to kidnap or have a bomb go off or do something terrible. And every week he would have to, to, to get a, to conquer this person and, and make them available to be taken off by the police. And MacGyver, though, was a special kind of hero because MacGyver refused to use a gun. And so, in order to get over on these bad guys, he would have to come up with some sort of ingenious mechanical or electrical solution. So his whole thing was MacGyver was a genius when it came to engineering or it came to using understanding mechanics and electrics. And so each week there would the episode would hinge on this one, you know, climax where he was in some sort of life, life-threatening peril. He'd be locked in a room where the oxygen's about to run out, or, you know, he would be in a plane that was about to crash, or he would be stuck in some way where the roof was about to close in on him. It was always some sort of crazy scenario each week. And he would have to come up with these ingenious solutions using nothing more than the everyday things around him to get out of it. And he would come up with some preposterous ideas, you know, like, you know, jump-starting a plane with a bar of soap and a thumbtack, or, you know, uh, hacking a security system with nothing more than a, a hand towel and the stuff out of his wristwatch. I mean, you never knew each week what he would come up with, and there was just enough science in each one of these things that you could see how maybe that made sense. Although there's no human being who could ever have come up with that incredible solution to this problem. And each week it was like that, but whatever, no matter what peril MacGyver found himself in, he always had more than enough around him to get out of it. And it's, the show, to me, has some lasting meaning because I still hear people, and people who are far younger than me, and there's no way they were even alive when MacGyver was on TV, using the term MacGyver. I've MacGyvered a solution. You know, and, oh, he MacGyvered his way out of it. They had no idea what that means, but they know that's a word for getting out of something using some sort of crazy, preposterous way. Jesus is not unlike MacGyver in a spiritual sense. He comes up with and deals with incredible challenges, like feeding 5,000 people on the side of a hill with nothing more than a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. Time and again, Jesus proves himself to be very resourceful, to even be, dare I say it, godlike, as he is, of course. And he would be able to go in and, and make miracles happen so that people would, people would find themselves fed or healed or whatever we needed at the time. And today's story, where we have these 5,000 people on the side of a hill, happens because they've been trying for a while to just give the disciples some time off 
to go and be by themselves for a while. And so they've been traveling all over the Sea of Galilee trying to get away from people for just a few moments and people keep following them everywhere. Everywhere they go, people continue to follow them and they show up somewhere and a horde of people comes too. And so this one today is we find themselves again on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and 5,000 people come to see Jesus, to be healed by Jesus, to be taught to feel God's love through Jesus' ministry. And as they're sitting there, the disciples are freaking out because they don't have enough food to feed these people. And Jesus says, well, just just trust and go serve. Just go, go take it and start passing it out. And so these wonderful, lovely disciples that we have, either because they trusted Jesus to, to do something, go ahead and do, went ahead and started serving, or because... They just decided to do it because Jesus told them to, even though secretly they thought, this is never going to work. Whatever it was, they went out and they started to do Christ's work among these people. And we know the story because it's one of the most famous miracles in the Bible. By the end, they went to collect the, the scraps that people had left and they filled up baskets and baskets full. They had more than enough, even amongst just a few loaves of bread and a couple fish to feed the 5,000 people. They had more than enough because Christ was with them. Christ was guiding them. Christ was leading them. It's a lesson for us, not so much that we can feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, but that we, doing Christ's work in the world, no matter where we are, will find ourselves with enough. We'll find ourselves with enough to get the job done. I experienced the miracle of having Christ be enough when I was in seminary. One of the requirements of all seminarians is that after your first or second year, you go and spend 10 weeks one summer in what they call a clinical pastoral education block. And that means that you go and serve as a chaplain, either at a hospital or a prison or a retirement community, some place that requires continual pastoral care presence. You go serve at those places and you have usually a group of people from five to ten people who come together. All of you are seminarians and you have a leader who helps you process what's going on. To talk about it and you sit there and you share, uh, you share experiences that you've had and people talk about what you did and what you didn't do and what's going on. And there's a whole lot of navel gazing and a lot of people nitpicking at you in these discussion times. So it's about three parts spiritual growth and one part hazing for seminarians. But it is an invaluable experience because what happens is, at least in my, my experience at this, at this hospital called St. Luke's in Houston, the ten of us arrived on that first day and we had spent a few minutes getting to know each other, who we were. And then after that they said, all right, well, y'all pick your floors. And they had all the list of the floors and, and we had two hospitals, a children's hospital and adult hospital, and you could pick the cardiac unit or the ICU or the children's or children's, all the different bits, all the different divisions for the children's hospital as well. And you could pick two or three floors that you wanted to make your rounds on. And then after that, we all thought we would get a chance to sit down and let's talk about how we make our rounds. What do we do? Do we go in and we talk to people? And what do we do if this person doesn't want to talk to us? What do we do if this person's having a huge crisis and we don't know what to say? What do we do if somebody is dying and, and we don't know how to comfort their parents or comfort the family or, or, 
someone is really angry with God and wants to talk to us about that, or someone doesn't like our denomination and wants to throw us out, what do we do when all this happens? We thought, okay, now we're going to get to sit down and talk about that. But instead, what our leaders did was they said, all right, y'all go make your rounds. And you had 10 seminarians with eyes as big as saucers looking at their leader saying, are you kidding? It's like, we have no idea what to do. They said, well, this is what you're here to do, learn, so go on out there. And so we all, these, all these 10 terrified seminarians walk out on these floors in these hospitals, not having a clue what we're going to experience if we go in a room, not knowing if the person wants us to be there or not, or what we might encounter within, and feeling completely and totally inadequate to the task, even as we yet still felt called to it, realizing that we don't have what it takes to comfort somebody when, when someone, their loved one is dying or anything like that. And so we, we go in these rooms and we start to talk to people. And I don't remember that first experience or the second or the third. I remember certain ones, especially that first night on call when that beeper goes off. And I have a new respect for doctors after that, I tell you. Whew. You never know what's going to happen, but it's always something terrible when the beeper goes off. But you don't know. And you don't know. And you, and you feel totally inadequate. And you go in the room. And what you learn, though, the most important, probably one of the most important lessons I learned when I was in seminary was that if you go with the intention of being Christ's servant in that room, of loving the people with whom you are ministering, Christ will be more than enough for the task. Because the reality is nobody has the words to comfort somebody whose loved one is dying. There are no words for that. There's no words telling someone who's got a terminal disease that things are going to be all right. There are no words for it. It's action, it's love, it's the presence of God that you can bring into the situation that can do some good work. And I can't tell you the number of times that I sat there with somebody whose you know, loved one was dying and I felt like I was completely inadequate and I didn't know the words and, and I said a few prayers with them and stayed with them and later on I, they would tell me about how wonderful I'd been, about how important it had been for me to be there and how, they made me, how I made them feel comfortable Meanwhile, I felt like I had done nothing. It's because Christ was there. They felt the presence of God. They felt the presence of Jesus Christ in the room. And it was more than enough. My five loaves and two fish didn't matter because Christ was there. And I'm so thankful for that gift because it means everything in church life that we understand that Christ is with us. So many scriptures about being able to move mountains with just a grain the size of mustard seed of faith. Being able to do incredible things. Whatever you ask in my name, he says, I will do. And this today's story from the, the side of that hill with those 5,000 people is an illustration of the power of Christ to feed us, to feed all of his people spiritually, even though he works through people who are inadequate. Even though he works to people who are inadequate, Jesus' power is more than enough. And as a church, we take those lessons in knowing that our ministry is reaching out to people, to healing the sick, to visiting the people in prison, the people who are lonely or despondent, those who are dealing with illness, those who are dealing with pain or or whatever's out there, the people who are homeless, people who are hungry, that is the ministry of Christ in the world. That is the reason that 5,000 people 
trekked all over the Sea of Galilee to find Jesus, that ministry that we do out in the world. That is why people wanted to see him. That's why they went everywhere he went, because he was offering them something they couldn't get anywhere else. He was offering them the power and love of God. And we are the heirs of his ministry. Spiritually, we are the ones who can help other people to find the power and love of God in their lives when they are in need. And so our call is to do as he and his disciples did, to go out into the world, to leave our lovely, beautiful church and go out into the world and find Christ's people and to feed them. Even though we feel inadequate to the task, even though there's nothing we can say sometimes to make someone who's in prison for a life sentence feel better or change their ways, even though there's nothing we can do to save, help somebody who has lost a loved one, we go out and we love them the best that we can. We go out with the intention of bringing the love of Christ to them and know that Christ will be enough, more than enough. Christ is the original MacGyver spiritually. And he can make anything happen even with these woefully inadequate tools that we are. And as a church, that means when we look out and we say, oh, we're worried because we don't have enough. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough volunteers. We don't have enough of this or enough of that to make this ministry or this idea work. There's a lesson for us in this ministry of the feeding of the 5,000 in that we can do anything with Christ's help. Christ is more than enough for the task. We should not say no We should not run away from a call from God because we're afraid that we don't have enough to do it. Because in God we can accomplish anything. And Christ, Jesus Christ, is more than enough for us. Amen.